Sometimes there is nothing better than a bit of a pamper. Whether it's a trip to the hairdressers, a manicure, even a whole spa day, most of us humans love to feel our best when we've had a bit of grooming. And you know what? It's no different for our dogs. So many people think it's just about getting your pooch groomed to suit the changing weather and keep them tidy. But it turns out many of them love the attention that comes with it. In this episode of Unconditional Love Stories, we're talking to a celebrity dog groomer who knows all there is to know about pampering our dogs. Before I tell you more, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Front of the Pack, for making this podcast possible. They know exactly what is best for your pup and have developed science-backed supplements to help them live the best life possible. Check them out at FOTP.com. Now back to the world of clippers, scissors, bows, and even glitter. Jorge Bendersky, originally from Argentina, has been working in the US for many years, transforming dogs not just on the runway, but on the streets too. His expertise and knowledge has taken him to the world of TV, and you may well have seen him on your screens right now as the star judge on the ABC dog grooming hit show, Pooch Perfect. These dogs are going from scruffy to fluffy. One of these things is not like the other. When you groom your dog, you're bonding. There's not enough parts in the world to represent how I love my boxers. Sounds pretty awesome. If you don't know, it's a dog grooming competition reality show hosted by the one and only and fellow Aussie, Rebel Wilson, where professional groomers from across America go head to head to show their skills on a carefully selected group of pups. Jorge started by telling me about his role and the others in the star-studded lineup. I am the, the one who knows about technical stuff, but this is a TV show. So it's important to have every point of view because we want to have the point of view of the viewers. They're still going to judge everything they see and decide if they like it or not. So we have Lisa Vanderpump, who she is the queen of dog rescue. And she is, she represents the helicopter pet pirate. She is crazy about dogs. You have to hold her down so she won't just jump over the desk and play with them. And on the other side, she is a great designer. She designed all her restaurants, all her products. So she have a very good eye when it comes to balance and color and symmetry. And then we have Dog Kali Harris, who is a veterinary. She is very involved that all the products that they were used, they're made for dogs, they're safe for dogs. And it's not only about the quality of the products, but about how they are applied. Like I tell everybody, even though that you use pet products, you need to know how to use it and follow the instructions. So, you know, this show is an over the top. And let's say that creative grooming has not been invented only to amuse people on a TV show. That is an art form that it has been done for decades. So this show just puts perfect only share light on a part of the industry that not many people is aware. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm glad that you use the term over the top because certainly most of the dogs that come out of the grooming salons around my practices in Southwest London don't look like badgers or leopards or all the various animals that these dogs were, were turned into. And I, I know that you are a professional yeah, groomer by trade. So um, this is kind of a, a, an extreme version of your craft. This is like the hot couture. When you see 
a fashion show on Fashion Week, how many of those outfits do you think that a, a regular human will wear to go to the supermarket? You get the trends from that. You get inspiration. You're probably not going to see a dog that is shaped as a pumpkin going into your practice, <laughs> but you might see a dog who has a pink tail or just a pink little ears. So, you know, from those super over-the-top fashion shows, we pick and choose trends that they are going to trickle down to the everyday dog. Immediately, I could tell Jorge is unbelievably passionate about his craft, not just for the creativity, but because he adores dogs and knows the importance of grooming to them. Because actually, it's a key part of being a good pet parent. When you groom your own dog, it's the easiest way for early detection of most of health issues. They are represented in a scheme. An, an allergy will be represented with a little rash or little pimples or a red spot, a ear infection. You will catch it early if, you, you know, if you're looking at the dog on the regular basis. When you groom your dog, you can discover any, most of their health issues, a bump, a bite, a scratch. And, you know, you're going to save money on your vet bills because you, when you catch it earlier, it's a much simple solution. And then the dog will be happier. It will save, you know, everybody wins when we discover any problem early. And grooming is the best way to have a complete checkout, nose to tell of the dog. We are the first responders because we are the ones who is going to send the dog to the vet. They bring the dog and say, oh, he's acting funny. He's shaking the head. I think he feels dirty. Then we might just say, no, 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 it's not that. The dog has a ear infection or it feels that something is going up on their, on their ear, you need to go see the vet. For sure. I mean, I have a very close relationship with a groomer who works right next door to one of my practices. And I always think you guys are yeah, wonderful because um, yeah, you are the ones that are picking up those little lumps and bumps that maybe owners wouldn't see or would neglect to take to the vet. Uh, and actually, so often it is small lesions that can be you know, quite concerning. You know, if you can pick up things like cancers early, it can save a dog's life. So I'm sure that most groomers are very much appreciated by the veterinary profession. And also, you guys are fantastic at keeping ears clean, uh, plucking ear canals, emptying out of glands from time to time if you're lucky. I'd much prefer you guys did it than we did. Um, <laughs> it's not my favourite part of the job, let's be honest. I'm sure it's not your favourite part. No, but it is. No, 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 it really shouldn't be. Um, and the nail clipping as well. You know, I mean, that is always tricky for, for all dogs. I always think it's unbelievable how groomers are able to placate their um, clients, the dog, for the period of time it takes to, to do the job. So what do you do, Jorge? Do you sing to them? I hear you're, you've got a bit of a dramatic streak. So what is it that you do to keep your grooming clients happy? You have to connect with the dog. I always say grooming a dog is like dancing a tango. You know, you have to move accordingly. You know, if you try to push the dog into a position, the dog will push back. If you try to lead the dog into a position, if you want to do the nails and you start by like grabbing them from the shoulder and leaving the leg, you know, the dog will collaborate. So I always say think grooming as dancing. When you move with harmony with the dog, you get a much better result. 
of course, I'm not the one who has to stick a thermometer up their butt. <laughs> so usually my part of the job, it seems to be a little more, you know, yeah, well, <laughs> easy to, to look like a dance. Yeah, there's not too many dances that involve a thermometer, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> Correct. And and if there are, I don't want exactly. to be involved with those. <laughs> I think that uh, people on any field that working with animals, they don't choose to work with animals. They are chosen by, like, you know, some people have an ability to gymnastics or music. or And I think that we who work with pets have, we were born to certain way of communicating with them that make us, that they make it possible. So I always believe that. And then training. You need to know, you know, you need to train to be good. You need to talk and you need to be mentor and you need to follow the steps of somebody else, you know. And I always tell pet owners, you cannot leave anything to the groomer or the vet. The job, the same way that everybody teach their dog how to sit, how to stay, how to walk on the leash, you have to train your dog to be, you know, to be used to have their paws touch, their, you know, the ears check, because that's going to help the vet, the groomer, and ultimately the dog, because if he's used to the mechanics of, you know, giving him a checkup when it comes time for the vaccines of the ear cleaning, they're going to be happy. Yeah, no, look, I agree wholeheartedly. Certainly the fact that working with animals is a vocation. I always have had this bizarre sense, and now I feel like I'm, I'm with my kinsmen, and I can tell you this, and you won't laugh, but I always felt that animals liked me, you know, that I had something there that, that I could connect with them on a level that wasn't verbal or physical. It was a, a very spiritual feeling for me. It was almost like a sixth sense that they could appreciate that I was sort of caring and thoughtful towards them. Uh, I wasn't going to hurt them. And and I find that that most animals sort of warm to me. And it's it's something that I've always had uh, and, and something that, that I share with everyone now. And I hope no one's laughing. But uh, I know that you, Jorge, would definitely appreciate that. And I also would wholeheartedly agree with you that it's so important for owners to take responsibility of training their dogs to help us out as professionals because we're constantly thinking, you know, if only this dog was trained as a puppy for us to have a look at its ears and look at its eyes and look at its mouth, then probably wouldn't have all the battle scars <laughs> that we have covering our bodies. Do you have uh, any um, sort of battle scars, any sort of horror stories? Because, you know, we all talk about uh, people having bad hair days. There must be times when um, the, a dog has a bad hair day or a groomer. To be honest, most of my issues, they always have been with the owners. You know, I'm like, with the dogs, I always find that I find my way around. Of course, you know, a dog will look like the do like they behave. If your dog is going to be jumping like, like a rabbit on top of the table, uh, you know, I will do my best and probably I'm not going to be satisfied. The owner will be not satisfied and the dog won't care. He will be fine anyway. So, you know, usually the issues come from trying to wrong expectations. You know, some 
people goes to their their hair salon with a picture of a of a movie star that looks nothing like them and you know their hair is totally different texture and they do the same with me to their dog so they if they bring a neglected dog that hasn't been groomed and you know forever and has mats and stuff you know as a good groomer i will do whatever is best for their dog and most of the time that won't follow the aesthetic goals that the owner wants but you know i'm there for their dog so yeah sure i mean it's it must be hard go look i've i've got a um, a great dame but i'd really like it to look like a pomeranian what can you do <laughs> that must be and that happens you know and that is a reality Although grooming is a huge part of making sure your pup is the healthiest they can be, some dog groomers take it to the extreme end of the scale, which is exactly what happens on Pooch Perfect. It's to push the skills of those groomers to see just how well they can beautify their subject. But because the subject is a four-legged friend, and the show does involve the use of a lot of products, there was some backlash, and I was keen to let Jorge respond to the criticism. First, every single product, product that was used was designed to be used on pets. They are all totally uh, uh, harmless and non-toxic. Every single product was vetted before being used. We had uh, not only the vet judge, uh, Dog Kali, but we had a vet on, you know, we have vet, we have representatives from the Humane Society. Every single dog had a a special handler dedicated to them to get their breaks they wanted. And to be honest, the casting of the dog is super important because not every dog like to be looking like a pumpkin because they don't like the attention. Not all dogs like, you know, movie star quality. Some dogs are shy, like some people are shy, and some people love the attention. So the dog might not know that he has he's looking like a pumpkin, but they adore people smiling and looking at them, you know, paying attention. I used to do a lot for shelters where I will go and I will put on, on older dogs a touch of color or a, a little temporary uh, non-toxic little tattoo. And when those dogs that they're usually over, overlook on the street because they are a little bit older, they don't have the perfect haircut, but when you put a little something, a pop of color on them, they get that attention and they feel like a puppy again because they don't know what it is, but they love the attention. So before the show, it took a whole lot of almost a year of casting the dogs to find those dogs. Like, look at me, look at me. Those dogs are the ones that you want for creative because they love the attention. And before going into the show, you are groomed every other week by a groomer, you know, designed for them to be sure that they that they were comfortable on the grooming table. Now, you said that you're based in New York. Uh, now, I I'm an Aussie and I'm in London. Um, and either you've got the worst American accent I've ever heard, or actually <laughs> you're from Argentina. So can you talk to me Correct. a little bit about growing up in Argentina and when the love of dogs began? Well, I always loved dogs. My when my mom was pregnant. I was a pretty big baby and she needed to do bed rest for most of her pregnancy. And she had a chihuahua who laid on her stomach during the nine months. 
my grandmother would yell saying that I was going to look like a dog. But at the end, I grew up with the heartbeat of a dog. So I always knew, have like a very special connection because since I was a fetus, I, I have the heartbeat of a dog on top of my mom's stomach. So then when I was 11, I got an Atari, a little old game that say how old I am. I remember Atari's as well, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> correct. My neighbor across the street, she got an Afghan hound. I ended up trading my Atari for her Afghan hound because she, I had to have that dog. And I, so the, on Christmas day, I came back to my house with a dog and I said, mm, Santa made a mistake. My gift was actually across the street and we agreed. So that was my first show dog. And, um, and since then, I grooming and breeding dogs, it was just my hobby. I became a very a judge for international dog shows when I was about 17 years old. And, and then when I moved to the, to the States 27 years ago, I couldn't speak one word in English. So I decided to turn what was my hobby growing out into a profession and I never did anything else. Jorge's obviously so good at what he does, but I was keen to know at what point do you go from calling yourself a dog groomer to a celebrity dog groomer? To be honest, I learned it from Howard Stern and he always say, if you ask him when did he became a celebrity, his answer was when I start calling myself one. <laughs> I live in New York City, so tons of celebrities live on any single block, you know, and so if they have a dog, they needed a groomer, and I, by default, I became a groomer that groomed celebrities' dogs, and, um, and then, you know, I love the attention, and I start doing local TV segments constantly, and I love it. It was good for my business to advertise my business, and I feel the, my ego that, you know, I wanted it to be on TV. It was a fun thing to do as a single guy in New York City. It was a good pickup line. It was good for <laughs> business. I, and, like, so it was, and it was good for my middle-aged crisis, you know, that I started when I was, like, 20. So it was just meant to happen. And then when it comes to doing the, the actual job of being a, a dog groomer and then working with these incredible people, it seems that the service that you provide isn't just about trimming the dogs. I understand that, that you bring quite a lot more to the party. I work for the like the, the hotlines for for suicide prevention. And I, I'm, I'm a trained counsellor. Uh, you know, in New York City. So that gave me, I'm good at listening to people. And like dog groomers, as hairdressers, we are very interactive. People come and they love to talk, uh, you know, about their dogs. And I'm sure it happens to you too. Some people, their passion for dogs, they are kind of like a little shy about sharing them with the everyday people. So when they grab your ear, they love to tell you, how they that they love them more than their husbands or their kids and they are so you are the safe place to really let pet owners tell you all their stories and how crazy they are about their dogs so as my trainer as a counselor that I'm a good listener and I did I took tons of workshops on stand up comedy 
um, because I love entertaining people. I never wanted to be, I never want to do it as a profession, but I always thought that it's important more when your English is as basic as mine was. It's like you want to do TV, you can barely speak English, you need to get yourself out of, you know, any situation, you better be good at saying jokes. So I became this full package where I will go, you know, I will have clients that I will go and groom their dogs at home when Dancing with the Stars was on. So we will be doing hot topics and I will be growing fluffy while we're watching TV and like talking about it. And if you were lucky to be my last client of the day, you were allowed to offer me a martini after we finish. So I, you know, I love that. Now I do that. The other day I groomed a, a little Sophie when we were watching Pooch Perfect because she wanted it to teach chat about the show. I said at the start of this episode that Jorge takes his work from catwalk to sidewalk, and I really meant it. Not only does he do this for a living, but his love of dogs means he volunteers hours of his time transforming pups in rescue centres too. I love working, you know, volunteering at shelters. That is so rewarding. It's terrifying and rewarding at the first, at the same time. When you get those trucks from the puppy mills that you're standing in front of it and you don't know what to expect, it's terrifying. But when you grab the dog that has spent most of their life being neglected on a cage and you know that you're the first human that give them a hug and tell them that they're going to be okay, that moment is priceless when you know that you are the first step on them to having the life that they deserve that i get goosebumps and i get choked just to think about it that is like one of the most rewarding moments of my career grooming dogs that have no owner is a plus too yeah <laughs> I'm like, listen, I'm like, like you. When you work for shelter, it's just first responder. You know, it's it's just trying to save the dog's life. So it, it's a totally different game, but it's just it's the most fulfilling one. Hmm. Nowadays, seventy five percent of adoptions start online. So you want to be sure that the dog looks cute because when you're looking at, the, at your phone, at dogs that they're out for adoption, you want to see the dog that you want on your couch. So that's why I dedicated two years. I, I traveled all over the country with a group called One Picture Save a Life. That what we did was I traveled with a photographer and I teach uh, shelter people how to make the dogs look cute and safe quick and the photographer teach them how to take cute pictures in order to increase the chances of that dog getting adopted because before that we used to see only the dogs in the cage sad and that breaks your heart make you make you want to donate money but not always want to make you want that dog so on one with one picture save a life we went all over the country teaching them those treats, and it was so successful. Oh, that sounds absolutely beautiful. Whilst many of us will have booked our pooch into the parlour for a pamper now that some lockdown restrictions have eased, I'm willing to bet you've had a go at giving them a trim yourself, right? Whether it's clipping their nails or brushing their coat, you've given it a valiant try with varying degrees of success. But the pandemic has meant we've pretty much had no choice but to do just that. And it saw Jorge's book, DIY Dog Grooming, From Puppy Cuts to Best in Show, Everything You Need to Know, Sell Out. 
So I wanted to get some tips from him. Understanding the tools and how to use them properly is one of the main points of my book and like on groomers that we tell, you know, choosing the right tool for the kind of coat that your dog have and use it properly, that is a huge step. If any pet owner knew that, that will make it so much, the dogs will never be mad at because sometimes they do try, but if you don't have the education on choosing the right brush for the right coat, then you're not, you know, you're, you try, but you're not going to get the results that, that, that you're looking for. So the book has a lot of education. And then, yeah, sometimes, look, we ended up in a pandemic when everything closed. People did not have a clue of how to, you know, do the minimal trimming on the dog face or on the dog butt or trimming the nails because there were no groomers available. So, you know, knowing my book was totally sold out everywhere during the pandemic because people suddenly needed to learn. And that's something that you should always know. I say you should know the basic of dog anatomy because I'm like, how will you explain over the phone to your vet what is your dog hurting if you have no idea where their stomach is located or where their heart, you know, their basic knowledge that if you... What, if you say that your dogs are like your kids, you should know the basic of anatomy to know if the dog is limp, you know, what are the parts of your dog, the same way that we know our parts. So I feel that a little bit of education, the books cover all those basics of how to explain what you want, how to, you know, the different kind of dogs and coats and tools and how to use it safely. If you've listened to the first episode of this podcast with pet bereavement specialist Khalil Sakakini, you'll know that I started Unconditional Love Stories after I lost my darling dog, Betty. Losing a pet is something that doesn't quite compare with any other feeling because the bond you develop with them is really something. Something Jorge knew all too well, having lost his sidekick Tito last year. You also, sir, have lost a dog that you describe as your heart dog, which I absolutely adore the title. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about Tito? Well, Tito was a Pomeranian. I have him for 13 years. He, you know, basically my whole career was, you know, was with him by my side. He was so well trained to do TV and, you know, he was an American champion. And then he works, you know, I will take it to schools to do career days, to let kids play groomer with him and see if they, you know, understand what handling a dog was. You know, we will go to nursing homes because he loved people. So he was not only my heart dog because, you know, we got through so many things. You know, I had cancer a few years ago and he was, you know, right there with me. And I did TV for 13 years with him. So. You know, he was my little partner in crime and losing him in the middle of a pandemic, it was probably, it was heartbreaking and it would have been heartbreaking at any other time, but it was heartbreaking not being able to get the comfort that you want from people you love because we were all isolated. So basically he was the only living being that I was able to have. So, you know, it was 
it was a, a extremely hard for me to find myself so isolated, so lonely. My heart goes out to you that that you know that you were you know each other's sort of soulmates. So you know what was it that meant that you had to say goodbye? Uh, he he started developing. Um, he had trachea problems, like some little dogs have, like Collapsing some little breeds. And correcting trachea and um and you know he started develop he was getting bad i knew that his heart his health was declining but i don't know he was such a gentleman that not only i always say i'm like i wish all of us could go the way that he went that he was freshly groomed right after breakfast with a with a designing t-shirt and he shot hard like a little I'm like I groom him the day before and he will always wear a little polo shirt on it. He didn't like to be naked. And um and fed him breakfast I went to shower and came out and he was gone. So I'm like I and you know what that's like was my biggest fear you know having to make the decision of letting a pet go is something that I was really, really scared of. And I think he sensed it. And, you know, he just went on his own when I was taking a shower. It was like, it's, it's, it was that I think that, I don't know, it, it was a blessing because that was my biggest fear. You know, that is such a hard time to know. And it's, you know, it is, it is beautiful in a way that dogs trust us and expect us to know when is the time to say goodbye. I always say that as important it is that a mother uh, welcome them into this world, uh, being chosen to be the one to walking them out of this party that we call life is always an honor. So with with my dog, I was always ready that when my time comes to walk him out, I will do it with dignity for him. But, you know, I'm kind of glad that I didn't have to, that he I, didn't felt that he needed me. Yeah, well, I mean, it's amazing that he sort of took that step himself and, and made that decision and, 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 and decided that, that he was going to step away. What is it that you would say to Tito if he was listening to you now? I don't think I never give him enough credit of how big part of my career he was. I always kind of took it for granted. That's my dog that I feed him, I train him, I groom him. And, you know, he is with me. But the moment that I had to start doing TV without him, I realized that I don't think I never really thank him. Well, he was you know, little fat little things. So he got plenty of treats and stuff. But I'm like, I never acknowledge how important he was on my career. Like the amount of work he did, you know, like for me. So I think I will, I will probably thank him for building up my career, being my wingman over a decade. It's undeniable how passionate Jorge is about the work he does. And it's because he understands the importance of it. Grooming is nature's biggest way of bonding. When you see mama monkey grooming baby monkey, mama lion grooming the baby lions, grooming each other is a way that nature shows love. 
So you should take that in consideration on your relationship with your dog, that when you're grooming it, they're feeling the love that their parents gave them. You know, when we were kids and we wanted it to be comforted, we wanted our parents or guardians rubbing our head. So I feel that you need to take grooming as a show of love and 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 take it that way and don't take it as a something that you must do. Same thing. Take it as something that you both going to enjoy. So basically, as an expression of of love and companionship. Correct. It's a, it's a bonding moment. It's it's a parent and child moment, and you should see it like that, and then your dog is going to feel it like that. So don't worry, you don't need to grab your doggy hair dye or glitter to make your dog feel pampered. But it is important to take the time to learn what's needed for your dog so you can give them the perfect TLC. Who knows, maybe we'll see you in the next lineup of Pooch Perfect with Jorge Bendersky, the celebrity dog groomer to the stars of New York City, critiquing your work. I really hope you loved this episode as much as I loved recording it. As always, a big thanks to Coferition for producing the podcast and Front of the Pack for sponsoring. Make sure you hit follow on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. We've got more brilliant episodes coming your way, which you won't want to miss. Speak to you next time.